to Up To and Including Death. My name is Dr. Patricia Brewer. And I'm John Brewer. Papa. No fancy <laughs> titles for me. No, you're very fancy. No. Engineer Brewer? No. John has a really good story about this guy stepping on him about this process at work. And you're like, you dare to speak to me of the process, child? I not only was there when it was written, I wrote it. <laughs> it wasn't quite that dramatic. That's what. It, that's how dramatic it is when I tell a but story to everybody I know. It was the podcast. It was fun to pull off a thing like like you hear screenwriters and stuff where they're getting comments from people about a movie. Like, what do you know? Like, I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> That was fun to do. Yeah. So, um, I am very happy to be here. I've got a heating pad on my neck. My neck hurts because I'm old. And we moved, and I still haven't gotten over it physically or mentally. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) And so, we're here a day late. It's Tuesday at 6 p.m. Yeah, it happens. It happens. I mean, if it get, if it can get released before midnight, that'd be awesome. Yeah. You know what that means? No editing. Woohoo! It's my favorite type of podcast. Oh no! I better the, watch what I say. It's the one where I put in the transitions and nothing else. I better watch what you say. You know what I'm excited about next time? Huh? We're gonna be doing it via Skype. Yeah, hopefully. we we'll figure it all out. I'm going to go down to Georgia this weekend due to unforeseen circumstances. And I'm hopefully going to be here right before Thanksgiving. Oh, there's the dog. She just swung the door open really far. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be whimpering for bedtime or something pretty soon, even though it's only 6 o'clock. But it is pitch black dark. Yep. Okay, so John. Yes. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's nice to hang out with you. Yeah, not so bad. <laughs> For, you know, kind of friend. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I accidentally friend zoned John earlier today. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I got friend zoned by my wife. <laughs> I think it's too late for that. So, how does it feel now that you're coming to your first season of final exams? Fine. Yeah? Yeah, I feel okay. You say you're fine, but your eyes say, help me. No, I think I have a pretty good grasp on everything I'm. In classes for. What just happened? A cat <laughs> scared the dog. That's a cat <laughs> in a suitcase. Oh. <laughs> who jumped out in front of the dog. Yeah, because that wasn't a, a yelp of like, oh, you hurt me. It's like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was rivers in a suitcase. <laughs> frightening a dog. Yeah, I have a suitcase here. Um, hey, buddy. She came to me because she's so scared. Are you okay, buddy? So we are here... Doing a fun movie. Yeah, I haven't seen this in a long time. I have seen this once, and I must have been younger than 10. Yeah, it probably was, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, it came out in 1983. I, I remember watching this. I mean, we just watched all the Stephen King movies that were ever were, I think, in my family. So, like, yeah. I, my favorite was The Langoliers, which I'm really looking forward to seeing again. But we did just find out that there's a new Salem's Lot coming out. Yes, that should be great. Oh, that's going to be good. So we are watching the Stephen King movie, uh, Dead Zone. The Dead Zone. And it's interesting because the picture on on Pluto TV, which is the app we're using to watch this, it says Stephen King's Zona de Muerte. <laughs> yeah, I just hope this isn't all in Spanish. So I've just recently read this book. 
I haven't read this in a very long time. And I was really into the TV version of it. And I'm looking forward to talking about the TV version of it. Because it's got Anthony Michael Hall. I don't think I have... Oh, the wasn't it like a whole TV series? Yeah. Was it just a guy who could see the future? No, it's like the same plot except a little bit different at the end. Oh, it's not like... It's a miniseries. No, it's a, it's a TV series. So how can it be the same plot? It's like all the same except he doesn't get himself killed. Oh, yeah, that would that put a damper in your TV Because show. he has a friend. Oh. He gets a best friend. Aww. So like in it, like everyone... Anyway, the dog's whimpering. <laughs> I oh. do think you want to tell me a little bit about this film? Oh, yeah. Well, we all know it stars Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Because he's the best. Yes. Also of note... Tom Skerritt. Nice. Martin Sheen. Excellent. Let me see if this... That's it for the people I know. Brooke Adams is second mm. build. Mm. Herbert Lom is up there. Anthony Zerby. That name sounds super familiar, too. I think I know who that is. I but. wonder how many of these people are dead now. Most of them. And it was directed by David Cronenberg. Oh, boy. And written by Stephen, Stephen King, of course. You know... Jeffrey Bohm doing the screenplay. Okay, so... I was thinking about David Cronenberg, and I'm not sure, like, there's the Rick and Morty thing, right? Where it's, like, the Cronenberg world and stuff like that and getting yeah. cronenberg But my question is, like, is there a Rick and Morty in which... I mean, sorry. Is there, like, a Cronenberg movie that I've seen that I, like, remember? I don't know. This was, like, one of his only mainstream movies? Because, yeah, I've seen this movie. I kind of remember it. I certainly know what it's about because I just read the book. Let me see his uh, best known for. Best the known Fly? For. Oh, The Fly. That's gross. I like that one a lot. Crash was a big movie in 96. Oh, yeah. Everyone, yeah. But yeah, the four known for are The Fly, yeah. Existence, Dead Ringers, and Crash. Okay. Well, The but Fly is definitely gross. And those are, he only directed existence of those. He didn't direct The Fly? No, he was a gynecologist in The Fly. Let me what? look at his director credits. They had... Unless he was director too, but it just lists him as... Gynecologist? Yeah, like, was yeah. he just like an actual gynecologist in this movie? Hey, Loki. You gonna mess um, with the microphone? He That's directed good. A History of Violence. Okay. I know that one. The Dead Zone. He directed one episode of Friday the 13th, the series... Wait, there okay. was a series? A yeah. TV show? Yeah. What? It was an anthology thing. It did not do Jason. Oh, okay. Okay, he did direct The Fly and The Dead Zone. Okay. Scanners, which was oh, a good okay. one, too. That one's kind of gross. But, uh... Crimes of the future! Yeah, not a ton of, uh... Of, like, really big blockbuster movies or anything, you know? Okay. Well, not that we watch a lot of those. I mean, we watch a lot of those, but, like, these horror movies that we're watching... Some of them kind of... Oh, my God. He Did he direct Jason X? No. It says Jason X on the list. No, he was Dr. Wimmer. He's in Jason X? Yes. Jason he X was, is one of my favorite movies. He acted in a lot of low-budget movies. Oh, my God. We have to do Jason X in the podcast at some point. He was point. in The Stupids. Okay. You remember that one? I do, but I, I, do, but I don't. Like, I've seen it, but I don't remember it because I'm old. Yeah, it looks like he acted in a lot of odd films, I'm too. feeling like people are just like, do you go and have a weird cameo? Call David. He's not doing anything on Tuesday. Yeah. He just had, like, a yeah. weekend every every year that he went and did movies. Okay, so, tell me more. Tell okay. me more, tell well, me I'll more. Give you, 
a quick uh, synopsis of the storyline. Excellent. Johnny Smith wakes from a coma due to a car accident, mm-hmm. only to find he has lost five years of his life Aww. and yet gained psychic powers. Yay! Foreseeing the future appears to be a gift at first, but ends up causing problems. Oh, no! Don't you hate it? I don't know. He's I've like Cassandra. Been, I've never been I've able to see the Greek future. Greek mythology. But uh, a lot of good uh, reviews for this one. Yeah. On, uh, let me see one, IMDb. Imdba. A 7.2 on IMDb. Not bad on IMDb. 90% on the tomato meter. Yeah. Certified fresh. That's pretty good. And a 76% audience score. Ain't they bad. No, not bad at all. Let's hear it. Let's hear some reviews, huh? Here's some from the top critics. A couple positive ones. What makes the Dead Zone so frightening and finally deeply moving is how it commits to the psychology of a guy whose destiny is destroyed and fulfilled by the way he's slipping through the cracks. Aww. And it says, Don't let the fact that visible breath and frosty misery take priority priority over exploding heads and fetus licking snow you. <laughs> okay. And the I think there's only one. Oh, because the exploding heads and fetus licking are in David Cronenberg scanners and other movies. There's only like two negative reviews, one super brief, but this one it says uh, David Cronenberg delivers a curiously flat, uninspired adaptation of Stephen King's book starring Christopher Walking doing his mad sorcerer thing. Ooh, I like his mad sorcerer thing. Oh um, yeah, like. I mean, the Dead Zone, the book. I don't know. We'll have to talk about it as we get to it. I don't think it's an entirely... Like, it doesn't have a lot of high ups or low lows, you know? It's like... It's... You know, it's a guy that also can see the future, kind of. Yeah. That descends into madness. Yeah, well, it's pretty low for him, like, in many spots. Yeah, well, what I mean... It's low for him, but what I mean is, like, you don't have, like... The it, it's all kind of in the mind of this guy in yeah. a lot of ways, right? But it's a beautiful storytelling, as always, with Stephen King. And he really does kind of demonstrate a lot of the background of both of these people. But okay, what else do we have, John? What are we going to show it? We've got a bunch of kitty cats in this room. Is it appropriate for them? They're quite young. Loki's the oldest, but he's only 11 years old. Oh, wow. We can go through the IMDb Parents Guide. Excellent. It's always a treasure trove of, of awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> well, for horror movies, for sure. Yes. For sex and nudity, it's mild. Awesome. A man and woman who are dating kiss a few times. Oh my god. A man briefly walks shirtless in his home. Ew. I know, right? At about 49 minutes. They really want to specify when this happens for people if they want to fast forward. Yeah, definitely to fast forward, right? A man grabs a woman, he rips her blouse open. She's wearing a see through bra. Then he removes her bra, revealing her breasts. Oh, my God. Yep. And then uh, a woman unbuttons the top button of her shirt and flirts with a man in his home. The man and woman kiss and the scene ends, but sex is implied. It usually is. For violence and gore, we only have a moderate for this one. Huh. Usually it's severe. Yeah. A young girl screams. As wait, she wait, has... what was the level of violence and gore, or of sex and stuff in the other one? Is in, it mild? In which one? Like, what was the, the actual rating they gave? In this movie? Yeah, it's mild. like the... Yes, okay, mild. so it's mild. Okay, and so this one is moderate. Yep. Okay. A young girl screams as she is surrounded by fire. Oh, man. Is it the screaming or the fire that makes it violence and gore? I don't know. 
several discussions of... Wait, wait, so women aren't supposed to scream. A young girl shows emotions. That's right. That's scary. <laughs> several discussions of, of and a news broadcast about a series of murder rapes. Oh, Jesus. The face of a dead woman is briefly shown. Oh, no. The time up to her murder is then shown as she is hit and knocked unconscious and a man raises his arm to stab her. Oh, no. No gore or blood. I wonder if they replaced the children getting murdered with women getting murdered in this. A man prepares to impale a pair of scissors into his head. Oh. The bloody aftermath and the body twitches are shown. Jesus. <laughs> oh, there's some minor blood. Mild profanity. Oh, my uh, favorite kind. A reporter calls a man a fucking freak. Whoa. And then there's the typical asshole bitch bastard. Okay. Good stuff. All right. Alcohol, drugs, and smoking is mild. Okay. Two men drink small shots of alcohol in one of their homes. I don't understand. Somebody on here who added things was really obsessed with the fact that it was in somebody's home. Is it worse than if it's in a bar? Because you don't want your kids to see like but no, people but in a bar. It has a guy with a shirt off in his home. Okay. I mean, it was like there was like three other um, references to being in his home. It's like it's weird. You know what I'm gonna have in a little bit huh. in our home? Some wine. Oh, I'm kind of scared how much you need wine and popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> This one, oh, a man is briefly seen smoking, too. Ugh. Now, for frightening intense scene and intense scenes, we're back to moderate. Okay, so it's interesting to me that these this category is separate from violence and gore. Oh, certainly, it'd have to be. Yeah, and that, I think, really does show a distinction between a... Like, there's a horror movie, but then there's different types of them, right? Yeah. Like, one of the things that I love are thrillers, and a lot of thrillers barely have any gore violence. They're just terrifying the entire time until, like, maybe one or two scenes of violence at the end or whatever. Yeah, yeah and the entries for frightening and intense scenes are pretty vague and weird. Yeah. A few emo- emotionally intense scenes. It's like, all right. That's several, weird. Several deaths are quite frightening. Oh, okay. But the weird one is something that we better be prepared for. Yeah. The ending is fairly intense. <laughs> Okay. And it generally has a dark and foreboding tone. So, a Stephen King movie, then? Yeah. I feel like it's kind of on you. Like, if you pull up a, oh, Stephen King's The Dead Zone, I wonder if it's yeah. a it's Gather a documentary around, about the, the, the fish kill zone in the Gulf of Mexico. Yes. Gather around, <laughs> children. <laughs> Small kitty cats, do you, think that, do you think that they can do it? I think they'll be all right. Okay. I think so, too. I'm really looking forward to watching this with you. Yeah, it'd be cool to see this again. It's been a long you, time. You know, I have a really delicious bottle of wine downstairs that you got me that yeah. I'm really excited to try. And because I have to leave on Thursday, that means I better get to drink it, huh? I suppose so. No one's stopping you. Yeah, well, someone has to have a brewer's bruise. And yeah. mine's going to be wine. And mine's going to be Diet Pepsi because I got to work tonight. Because you got to work. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Okay, John. So, nothing has happened in the movie yet. No, it's just the title screen. It's the title screen, and it's been going for two minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> and the, But it's just kind of nice music or whatever over pictures, right? Pictures of houses and, and a, a town and, like, a road and stuff like that. But And it's just kind of doing a slideshow with music. 
And as the pictures progress, these black spots that car are carved out of parts of the picture for over the entire time. And they start small. And as you and I were talking, I was like, uh, we were talking about this and talking about how, like, oh, it's a good representation of what the dead zone is, right? Because he, the guy has a brain accident, like a brain, he has a concussion, he has a, a horrible accident. And so he has literal dead spots in his brain. Yeah. And then as we were watching it, I was like, holy shit, are they actually spelling out the dead zone with these dead zones that are like these parts of the picture? And you're like... That must have been yeah. like an Easter egg for people who have read the book. Yeah. Because if you're watching this for the first time, you'd have no idea what that represented. Yeah, like why is this like that? But then you said you actually remembered this yeah. from, <laughs> from when you watched the movie. So you do remember that part. I do. I remember Christopher Walken shaking that guy's hand. I'm being so I think mute. I remember Christopher Walken at like a carnival. Well, that's the beginning of the movie. It should that's be all I can remember about it. All right, let's keep going. Can't, they're gonna cry over spilled milk. <laughs> so Christopher Walken. Okay, let me preface this by saying, I really like Christopher Walken. Yes. And sometimes, you know, when I was a younger lass, and some of his movies, I was like, all right, I see you, Christopher. I see you there in your tight pants and your intense attitude. The dog is crying, but she's fine. Get out of here. Go. <laughs> Emma, go. Go sit down. Go lay down. But anyway, but it's like, I could see that. I could be like, hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Mm -hmm. You know? But in this... So Christopher Walken's an amazing actor. Yes. And I just have to think he's making choices. Of course, because he's never had that haircut before or after. He's got... Or those glasses. A pushed forward haircut. Yeah. And these predator glasses. And not and like Predator, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, like Child like Predator. And he's like, it starts out where he's reading Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Which, in another universe, if he was just dressed like Christopher Walken, would be like, hell yeah, Christopher Walken, sexy man, sexy voice. I don't mean this in front of my husband, who is also my friend. But I, what I mean is that, like, as a, as a younger lass, I had a, you know, I, he could get it, like, when I was young. Not that he could, but, I mean, what, that's, what, that's not what I meant. Like, I just meant that he was an attractive How fellow. How much wine have you had? I've had two sips of a very delicious wine. Literally two sips. But anyway, he's terrifying in this. He's got his hair coming forward and these predator glasses. And his movements are awkward and weird. And he's got this girl that he's dating, this other teach, this teacher in a high school or elementary school or whatever. And so, like, he's teaching the Raven, and he goes up to this girl he's dating, this other English teacher or whatever, and puts his arm around her, and they're going to go off to go on a date. And then it cuts to their date, which is, like, going on a roller coaster. Right? Yeah. And on the roller coaster, his head starts to feel funny, and he's got to go home and poop and stuff. Yep. So he, he drops her off and he kisses her in a way that is kind of horrifying. <laughs> like open mouth, but not like a sloppy kiss or whatever, but just like, as it like mouth on mouth, creepy. Everything's creepy. Yeah. Doesn't kiss like you do. Is that yeah. creepy? 
You kiss nice. Anyway, so but in the mo- in the so this is the movie representation. He has a headache, then he drops her off. They kiss a little, and then he's driving home, and it's raining inside of the car practically. He keeps wiping off the window, and there's a milk truck that turns over, and he runs into the milk truck. Yep. But in the book, a lot of different things kind of happen, right? And one of them is that he actually uses his powers. Like, you get to see him use it kind of not meaning to, right? So, yeah. in the book, he's like 23 or something, and he is take has taken her to the fair... It's not abandoned and creepy. There's lots of people there. And at the fair, there's a kind of game of chance that he totally decimates and makes like like $1,500 or something like that. Yeah. And he talks about, in his thinking about it, he says like, this is what, like my mother always said that there was always a give and a take with this or whoever in his life had always said that there is a give and a take with this. And he talks about having hit his head as a child or fallen in some ice or something like that and having woken up and he's always had this, what, quote, dead zone. So we get to hear a lot more information right at the beginning, but we're kind of yeah. fast-forwarding here. We don't get the cute scene where they're, like, winning stuff. We don't get the creepy mask scene where he's flirting with her. He's creepy and weird, has the headache. She invites him in. He says, some things are worth waiting for. Creepy. And guess he's going to have to wait for five years. Wow. Oh, huh. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, he's been out for five years. Do you think he's creepy? Of course he is. But not like Christopher Walken creepy, though, right? It's like his, uh, I don't know if you remember his character, The Continental. He did on SNL a bunch of times. Oh, my God. It's kind of like that, but less overt. But The Continental was at least funny. That's a good, we got to watch some of those clips later. Okay, should we keep going? Yeah. Okay, we're probably going to get in trouble for this, but we're not monetized, so let's do it. Um, we're actually going to watch one of the episodes of The Continental, and I'm looking over here, and it looks like he did SNL when he did this movie. So we're going to be watching the clip from SNL where he's playing a psychic on SNL, too. Oh. <coughs> Excuse me. But this looks like it probably came out, season 26, it looks like it's the one he did that first time when he uh, when, after he did this movie. Okay, so do you want to watch the Continental sure. Anticipation with me? Well, let's do it. Saturday Night Live, season 26. The sun is set. The stars shine in the sky. The night air is deep with Hartman. anticipation. Mm-hmm. And it is time to meet the Continental. The Continental. This is the first person you see the woman coming on the date. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. To what serendipitous opportunity do I owe the pleasure of having such a wonderful woman on my doorstep? He's kind of ageist, ageist. <laughs> he found You've got my flyer. <laughs> I made them myself at Kinko's. <laughs> I put them all over this building hoping to find someone. So, it is you are the owner of the brooch that I found in the elevator. Your brooch is oh an object It must be returned to its owner, ASAP. Oh, she's got a fancy bracelet on. 
Please come in. Well, I think the implication is in a fancy apartment building. Yeah. He's got fancy carpet. Tell me, it's you are the ravishing siren who lives in the condo directly above me, no? I thought so. <laughs> I recall the first time I saw you in my periscope. <laughs> my terrace coming in and out of this building in those backless heels. Oh wow, we backless heels. Wow, we wow, wow, wow. Boudoir. He's like no, walking, taking I her into the bedroom. Put in the boudoir. I insist. No, really. Permit me. He's got her like fox coat. Okay, Loki, hi. He's stolen her fox doll. She's trying to leave. She's my, my palomino of the Russian steppes. <laughs> A magnificent coat. Like the brooch. Like the woman oh my possesses them both. I will hang it in the closet. I can't tell how old he is in this. Like, this could have been in the... Whoops. Oh, there's... The, it's an actual periscope in the closet in the soundproof room. It's a soundproof room where he looks at a periscope. Oh my god. I didn't see that. Let's <laughs> consummate, I mean, celebrate the reunion of you and your brooch. It's just like our first date. Champagne. Oh, yeah. Vintage champagne. Life is too short to quaff anything but champagne. champagne. And beauty. And Red Bull. Please lay I mean sit down. Champagne. <laughs> oh my god. Enjoy. A most soigné bouquet. Swan. Hmm? Impetuous. Goes right down. <laughs> Each bubble. Like the story of one's life. Would you like to hear my story? <laughs> She's like shaking her head no. No? This is so okay. good. Here it goes. Oh my god. Here it goes. I have been in love only once. You bring to mind golden memories. You remind me of her. Sadly, she's gone. She was run over by a van. I was driving the van. She <laughs> <laughs> what can I tell you? What the fuck? I backed over her several times. What? I don't drive too good. <laughs> she was gone. Oh, he had milk trucks. Then I lived in her chateau <laughs> he for several months. In her chateau? Her rotten kids kicked me out. Why? I pissed away her fortune. So what? Oh, oh she's running where away. Where are you going? Oh, it's a parquet floor. <laughs> not. Okay. You forgot your brooch. Sit. I get it for you. Enjoy champagne in my absence, my sweet effervescence. Wait, have a bonbon. This is from Spania. It's from Spania. It contains rhinoceros horn. <laughs> she put the chocolate back. If you're hungry, I got some cup of noodles. <laughs> cup of noodles? Cooking. Is the second best thing I do. For me, it is better to make love. It's a telescope first in the background. Eat. Oh my god. <laughs> or 
we could make love after. <laughs> oh, punch in the face. The stupid face he's making is so good. Oh my god. You talked me into it. I beseech you, don't go. I get you the brush. You win, oh no god. problem. Please, feel free to check out my collection of erotic Hummel figures. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's I exactly what it sounds me. like. My snow pony. My snow pony. Your heart is pounding like mine. Oh my mine. god. Please I like that painting back there. Champagne. Champagne. <laughs> John, it's like our first date, that, but except I was you Christopher Walken. what gets me really yeah. mellow? No. Wait, wait, sit, please. <laughs> not <laughs> sit, that. Sit. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, hello. <laughs> Aroma therapy. Aroma <laughs> therapy. Smell this. Huh? Cinnamon. Soothing, no? Hmm? She's nodding her head, yes. And this one. Night blooming jasmine. Are you smelling the oh? So nice. Oh, like she's nodding her head, yes. And this one. Whoops. <laughs> oh no. Claw four. Smell. Oh, she punched it. She punched him again. Wait. 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 Fake you out. Hello. It's locked. <laughs> I got the key! <laughs> she punched him in the stomach and got the key back. Wow! Oh, wowie! Wow, wow, wow! <laughs> and that's what I said after the end of our first date. I was going to give it to you anyway. Wow! Wow! Join us again next week. Oh my god. Do you think that they'd be able to have that kind of thing again on SNL? No. Because, like, the whole joke is that he's, like, definitely gonna. He's a rapist. Drug her and rape her. He's give her the Cosby. But it's funny, though. Oh, you're not allowed to say that. Am I not? Am I a bad feminist, especially because yep. I've been teaching about the patriarchy and shit for the last three weeks in our class? Yep. And making you read about ecofeminism? Yep. Okay, should we actually watch the movie that yeah, we're here to watch? Probably. We're 8 minutes and 51 seconds in. <laughs> okay, John? Yes. I am kind of covered right now. Yeah. By cats. I see that. Lola is sitting just on top of me, face first, because she wants to see this movie. <laughs> so Christopher Walken has gotten slightly less creepy, because... First, his face was all jacked up from the accident, but he wakes up by, like, holding his head like he was on the Ferris wheel or whatever, or on the, on the, like, on the, what was it called? The roller coaster. The roller coaster. See, one to the left. Yep. But anyway, so he's holding his head, and then, like, the doctor comes in and tells him, he and his parents or whatever come in, and they're like, you've been in a coma, you've been in a coma for five years. Yeah. And, like, so he's figured that out. And that his girlfriend slash fiance has married somebody else and has a baby. As right. you would, right? With As you would. Someone's in a coma? Yeah. That seems so weird to me. Yeah, so... Like, they're still there. They're alive. You know? Yeah, and the thing is, it's like, in the book, she just kind of, like, she waits 
not that long. No, I remember it was like six months or something. Yeah, six months or, or a year. But it's interesting because, like, you get to see them before they go on this date. And she kind of knew on the date that she'd have to decide if she loved him. And she was deciding if she loved him. And she decided after he left at the end of their date that she probably should love him. And then he got into a coma for five years. And then she knew he she loved him. Well, when they're in the hospital, started, they're like, we're going to get married. Yeah. And then it's like, no. What a liar. I mean, I don't know. Because, like, when I was younger, I was like, how could you not wait for him? As creepy as he is. He's a lot less creepy because his bangs are mostly up. Yeah, he's got a normal haircut. Yeah, now. they've still been shaving him and cutting his hair and, and, and like as he sleeps, I guess. It's like, can you imagine what that would be like, like lolling his head around to try to give him a good haircut? Yeah. I mean, they must do it. There's places that have coma patients. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he's at the, he's at the, uh, at the clinic with Dr. Wyzak and he's learning about all the therapies he's got to do because it's all of his body's atrophied. Yeah. Except yeah. his arms, apparently, because he can touch his head with his arms. And what he could do is grab nurses' arms and tell them that their daughter Amy is burning alive, but if there's still time. Yeah, he's doing the Lord's work. He's doing the so he says to the girl. He's like in the book, like she. It's not as like high thing, like intense, high intensity, because he like sees that she's left like the stove on or something like that. But she's not. There's no kids in the house to save or whatever. But in this one, I guess it just kind of shows the intensity. And the importance of, like, he's screaming the daughter's name, go, there's a fire. And, like, he is, like, coated in sweat. Yep. Right? He's coated in sweat because he is, like, as if he was there in the fire. Yeah, he which, sees himself there. Which is interesting. I'm interested in this, Jambi. Okay. You ready? Yeah. so sad yeah and sweet so dr sam wyzak how old do you think that this guy is it's hard to tell because when you see like wilford brimley line from yeah. cocoon where he was like 50 yeah and he looked 80 but the thing is like <laughs> it's 1983 i guess it's now 1988 right in the in the realm of this film 33 years ago I'm this guessing. guy was a child. He was like eight. So he should only be your age. Yeah. But that's like if you see people in the 80s in their 40s, they look like now people in their 70s. But here's the thing, though. They used horses. So it's possible that in order to get around this problem because they wanted this actor, they wanted it to look like he got separated from his mother in the 80s or in the in the First World World War. So instead of losing her in, like, 1950 or 1947, he lost her in, like, 1910. He was uh, 44. What? In this movie. What? Yeah. That's a year older than you! Yeah. John, your beard is still fully red and you've got beautiful red hair. I don't understand. Yeah, he was born in 1939 and this was 1983, right? So the craziest thing is the timing works out perfectly for this doctor then for it to be World War II, to be separated from his mother. But what? Yeah, he's 44 in this movie. What? That's what 44-year-olds? How old is Christopher Walken in this movie? I'll look that up. It's 1988. Oh, 88? Yeah. 
Well, he was 49 in this thing. But still, he's like a gremlin. No, wait a minute. No, this was 83. This no, was but 80... it's but the first one was in 83. Oh, no. This is set in 1988. I know, but I'm saying his actual age in this film yeah. is 44. Oh, my God. Because he was, this was in 1983. Yeah, okay. Holy shit. So. Holy shit. Yeah. Christopher Walken oh. was... <laughs> Christopher Walken in this is only four years younger than him. Really? So Christopher Walken, because he was born in 1943. Okay. So yeah, Christopher Walken's 40, the doctor is 44. The thing is, like, Johnny Walker, or Johnny Smith is supposed to be 23 in the first scene and 28 in the next one. So he's like, he was literally at his first year of teaching when he got into the accident. Yeah. But it's, he was actually 40 years old. Christopher Walken. Okay, so he's four years younger than this guy, but looks like yeah. Christopher Walken. This guy, what happened? Are there 49-year-olds that just look like that now? I don't, like the ones that I do lots in, of drugs? In the, no, I just think in the 80s, everybody looked like that in their 40s. Why? Is it World War II? No, it's just... And it, was it like the lack of having high-fructose corn syrup in their diets uh, as children? Probably. We're getting pickled. Basically. They were getting pickled. No, we're we're getting fine. Pickled. We're preserved. We're beautiful. They look like they've been left <laughs> on a shelf for a while. Oh my yeah. god, my mind is blown. It's like they talk about how, like, oh, Sarah Jessica Parker is aging gracefully, and it's like, yeah, now that it like, but what's wrong with wearing makeup and having your hair done? It's easy to age gracefully when you have like millions of dollars. Yeah. In our rich, uh, I've seen she articles nice. about people. How uh, I feel bad about talking different. trash about Sarah Jessica Parker. I feel like the person I think we should leave is like she really helped me with like my thing with Johnny Taco and <laughs> <laughs> because I just like I just need I th- I gotta go I gotta go, <laughs> but I am like okay so basically. John, uh, Christopher Walken's character grabs him. Johnny ca- grabs him. So I say want to say Johnny Walken. Johnny grabs him and sees, like, World War II, sees his mother, and knows her name and address. The doctor calls his mother and then doesn't say anything. Right? Which is kind of sad. It's like, come on, dude. Don't you think you'd want to talk to her? But that's got to be a lot of trauma if you thought your mom was dead this whole time and it turns out your patient can read the future. So just some of the things, like... Humans in the past... Those were 17-year-olds in the 70s. Can you get the bored panda thing off there? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Those were 17-year-olds? Yep. So it's not that they were aging. I mean, you age faster right from the start. They have, like, lines on their foreheads. How? Wait, these two are the same age? Archie Bunker and And Brad Brad Pitt Pitt are the same age? Yep. In those things? Yes. But I think if you start out looking like Brad Pitt... Okay, you can't compare Keanu Reeves to anybody. What? Ralph Macchio is the same age as Pat Morita at the time of the Karate Kid and looks like Ralph Macchio and he looks like what? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but. I don't know either. <laughs> People, it was brought up because of the Wilford Brimley line. That's Yeah? Yeah. What's the Wilf? It's how... The age of Wilford Brimley in Cocoon. Uh Uh-huh. And people have been trying to... 
Because um, he looked like an old man, and he's always looked like an old man. Yeah. Yeah. Got that long mustache, looks old as shit. So it was like... Uh, How old was he in that? He was in his 40s, I believe. What? Yeah. The problem with Wilford Brimley is that he got to a certain age and he started looking like that forever. Yeah. Wow. Google has gone really weird over their image searches. Oh, yeah? It looks completely different. Okay. Yeah. I'll look up some more, too. But, wow. But it was a thing. It was the Wilford Okay, we Brimley. cannot compare Paul Rudd to anybody. He's magic. Yeah, he looks younger now than he did in Clueless. But, you know, I'd also be interested to see Wilford Brimley compared... He was, oh, he was 50. There's a, okay. a Brimley cocoon line calculator. Okay. Where... Well, here's what I mean, John. I think that if we compare where people start... Okay, she's had lots of plastic surgery, though. But what I'm saying is, like, if we compare where people, where people start and where they go, like, I don't think Wilford Brimley ever looked that great. So no. I feel like in the 80s, you had a lot of actors that looked kind of funny. And so those were the act, And now, like, the actors, you have to start out looking perfect. And it's the perfect-looking actors from the 80s and 90s and 2000s that we have getting in sure. their 50s and 60s now. But in the 80s, you had, like, weird-looking people that got to be in big roles. Yeah. But uh, there's a Twitter account that every day will post a picture of somebody who has hit the... The Wilford Brimley line. I mean, some of them you can, like, I can get it. But some of them are like, holy shit, no. But this is... Wilford Brimley looking like that. Oh, my God. It's just him jumping on a thing. <laughs> okay. Well, what happened? I don't know. Is... Oh, Kid Rock. It's just... Okay. He's fine. Damn, girl. Who's that? That's uh, Regina King. Regina King is gorgeous. She crossed the line on October 9th. Oh, she looks amazing. This guy actually looks like Wilford Brimley. That's like, Jason Giambi. Yeah, the baseball player? Yep. I knew that. She's beautiful. Oh my god, that's the chick that was in um that was in Hamilton. Renee, Renee Goldsberry. Yes, she's amazing. Okay, so as I say the words like chick. Okay. So, should we keep going? We're at yeah. 21 minutes and 8 seconds. We've been recording for 43 minutes. Yeah, and I have to work tonight. Okay, let's go. Hey, John. Hi. We're at 41 minutes and 40 seconds. We're doing so good at not stopping every two seconds. Yeah, so far. But a lot has happened. Yeah. Christopher Walken lost his virginity. On camera, in front of us. We didn't know that he was a virgin. Well, I mean, you saw him in the beginning of this. Yeah. But you never know. So, since the accident, he hasn't had to wear the creepy molester glasses. His hair is popped up. So This accident has done wonders for him. I know, because he was creepy and gross before. I'm no longer creeped out by him. Now that he has superpowers, I'm not creeped out. So we talked about the fella, like the the doctor that he and he heard yeah. that knows where the doctor's mom is. He um, does a press conference to try to like get the press to leave him alone. And at the press conference, someone bullies him or whatever into like demonstrating. Yep. He's like, "Oh, you want to know why your sister killed herself? I'll tell you." <laughs> the guy freaks out and leaves. Yeah. Um, I kind of, but that was a pretty good representation of what happens in the thing in the uh, book. 
And then he cuts to he's living with his dad because his mother has died. Now, in the book, the mother gets, like, deep into conspiracy theory Christian cults. Like, some serious cults and they're spending all of their money on cults. Uh, And she just keeps joining different cults. And then she does die. Um, And it takes a long time for that to occur. In the... um, and she's really focused around the healing of her son and then the fact that he has magic powers. In the movie, they just kind of zip through that where she just dies yeah. of a heart attack during the press conference. Um, and so he's living with dad. It's Christmas time. He's now using a cane, right? And the police come. Yeah, asking for his assistance. Because there's murder! Yep, and they want his magical powers to solve the murders. Yes, they want his magic powers to solve the murders because they're, like, at at a loose end or at the wit's end. But the thing is, like, in the movie, it's women that are being raped and murdered. In the book, it's children that are being raped and murdered. Yeah, more palatable on screen. Yeah, it's more palatable on screen, but you can really see why the cop is desperate in the book because, like, his daughter is the same age as the victim, as the four-year-old victims, and also why Christopher Walken is is as moved because bitches get killed all the time. Yeah, they're grown-ups and grown-ass adults. I know, but, I mean, that's, like, murders of women. It's really sad. It happens all the time. The murder of children, sadly... Happens all the time, too. That's my alarm for drugs, but guess what? I took them an hour ago. Guys, take anxiety meds. Uh, A dear, dear close person to me once said to me, just, Trish, get get on meds, man. It just takes the edge off. That's if you have anxiety. If you have anxiety. <laughs> Don't just randomly take But them. the thing is, it's like, I never really realized I had it, and it's like I was just always really intense all the time. And now I'm still really intense all the time, John. You saw me before and after meds. How would you describe it? Well, there's less outbursts. Less outbursts. <laughs> okay, to be fair. To be fair. We got together and then COVID happened. Yeah. And COVID brought everybody's anxiety to the breaking point, I think. Not mine. You're a magic man that's perfect in every way. We've yeah, already just... established this on this podcast several times. Anxiety is caused by giving a shit. Oh my gosh, you're so cute and adorable. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Giving Shit. How did you get to be so cute? Someone has a sign up at work that says that anxiety yeah. is called, or no, it says stress is caused by giving a shit. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome advice. That is really, that's a really good advice. You can't give a shit about me though. Yeah, but that's different. Yeah, I think you really, like, it was. It's one of the really nice things about having you in my life was that when I had was at like my worst anxiety peak. Because you were just so fucking calm, it just made me realize like, oh, this isn't normal. And then I started taking drugs. Well, I'm not normal. Like my low anxiety is pretty not normal. Yeah. The f- well, I mean, yours is kind. Of, well, yeah. <laughs> I though I do think that like you're just pretty chilled. You keep it inside. Like yeah, a good bottle it in till I explode like a good man. And like a good man. We talk about that. It's like like I talk about like a good Irish Catholic, you just push it down. I'm only half Irish Catholic though. Uh, I'm not at all. Well, there might be some Irish. We'll find out soon. I guess. Yeah, we're doing a little thing. Where's that Walmart package? It's a, it's about 
two hours away and has been for about five, six days. Oh, wow. Okay, so we are currently I go waiting. i to the post office tomorrow. Uh, it's not in... I went to, to uh, so we got the Ancestry.com thing. I went to um, Amazon to get it, and John went to Walmart to get it. And guess who's came in time? Yeah, well, Walmart had it on sale for Black Friday, and I thought it was, like, exclusive to them. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it's been... Since, it's been in Kingsford, Michigan. There aren't any new updates. Since November 13th. That's so weird. That's I think, the yeah. last stop before it comes to our local post office. That's so weird. It must be at the post office. I wonder, did you accidentally order it to our old house? No, because, and it's not the only thing there. You know what I found out? It's uh, Sophie's video games are too. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, okay, so we should probably watch this movie, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> we get. It's so nice chatting with you. Yesterday we decided. So this movie, this podcast is a day late. Late. It's not a movie. This podcast is a day late because yesterday we came up here to record, and I was just like, "But I'm tired," and so we didn't record. But then we ended up. I had you like watch some shows, and then like I had you play video games, thinking that I would go to bed. But then we just talked. About social justice or something? I don't even remember. Don't we talked about everything last night. I think it was eco-terrorism. Oh, maybe, yeah, because we're talking about ecofeminism, and I was talking about, like, the dismantling of the patriarchy and the problem of, like, the reproduction of patriarchal norms in eco-terrorist organizations. Anyway, so it was really fun. Um, but let's keep watching this movie, huh? Yep. Okay. Hold on a second. We were talking about everything else. We didn't actually just mention all that. After all that stuff, Christopher Walken staying with his dad. The cops come. But then later, his ex-girlfriend shows up, and they have sex, and her baby is there. And she then leaves and is like, bye forever. <laughs> but Christopher Walken's also far less creepy in this, because his hair is up, and he's not wearing glasses. Okay, let's go. Okay? Yep. Okay. Okay, gun safety time. All right. Okay, gun safety time. So, okay, is the little detective that is like the second in command of this little sheriff's operation in Castle Rock the murderer named Dodd? Yes. Yeah. But, you know, like, he just comes home. So, okay, Christopher Walken comes to try to help him find the bad guy. He has the packet of cigarettes. He can't find the bad guy. But then a new body is found. Convenient. Yeah. It goes to the new body, takes off her mittens and grabs her hand and realizes what happened, which is that Dodd, Lieutenant Dodd, gets the girl to come over and kills her some scissors. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive when it's like, they're they're nice scissors, but like, she's wearing winter stuff. Well, she ripped, he ripped her clothes open, remember? Yeah, that's true. I thought she was already dead when he... No. Oh, okay. He ripped her clothes open. We saw the see-through bra. Yep. And then we saw her titties, and then we saw the implication of murder, right? And so, and then, so he's, Chris Walken's like, it's Dodd. I stood here, and, and I saw that he did, and I, I did nothing. I did nothing, right? Yeah, well, he couldn't do anything. It was over. It was over, exactly, but he's still freaking out. And then it's like, okay, where's Dodd? And Dodd had left. And so they go to Dodd's house. The mom's being weird. Christopher Walken touches her hand and is like, you knew everything. You knew everything. You knew everything. What's your best Christopher Walken? I don't know. You gotta try. We gotta, okay, we'll gotta keep trying. But anyway, mom knew about it, and Dodd was upstairs, put on his little slick raincoat, which I really like the 
representation of this in the movie because in the book you get a lot of the first person of like this guy getting off on wearing a slick raincoat that like people can't grab him because it's a slick raincoat thing and he's wearing like an oiled coat which is why there's never any like fibers or anything to like lead to anything right so he takes all of his clothes off puts on this fucking coat makes it like in a weird sexual almost way and then he grabs his scissors, puts them up, and then, like, falls on them. Puts them in his mouth. And when we see him dead, he's got part of the scissors in his throat. And he's dead and twitching. So I guess, like, his spine was severed somehow in this process. I but I didn't ask questions. I'm glad the murderer is dead. But then Mama Bear grabs his gun. And that comes to Dodd being not good at gun safety. He just threw his gun belt on something. And everything in his room kind of looked like they went where he goes... The jacket was on his bed. The hat was on top of, like, a creepy little mannequin head that he has for his hat, right? But the gun belt was on, like, I don't know, some bust of something or other. Like a horse or something. Yeah, like a bust of a horse. Like, And so she grabs it. The mom grabs the gun, and it's like, dude, when my brother was a cop, he didn't murder anyone, first of all. But Dave, So Dave didn't murder anybody, but he also put his gun and shit in the closet with the lock on it. Because that's where you should put a gun. This is 1983. I'm just saying gun safety is important. So this bitch grabs a gun, shoots Christopher Walken, and then tries to shoot, uh, what's his face? Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. But Tom Skerritt cannot be killed. And so then she gets shot. I think she had it coming. Yeah, you think? It's very cut and dry. Yeah. Tied up. Tie you up. Okay, so we're going to pause. We're going to put the dog away. And we're going to finish this here movie, huh? Okay, so this podcast may be going a little long. Uh, Maybe. Okay, but we're pretty much close to where like we need to be for this part, for this movie. <laughs> half hour, over half hour left. There, okay, there may be over half an hour left, but he's had he's boinked his ex for one time only. He's disappeared, and everyone's trying to find him. Yeah. And now, rich guy finds him, wants him to tutor his son, because he's fucking magic dude, right? Rich guy knows all about that. No. And then he meets Martin Sheen's character. Who is something else. And the thing is, like, you know, in this book, every single character is like, okay, this is kind of what it is. This is what it's about or whatever. Martin Sheen fucking read this book 300 times and just became the character of this dude. I can't even remember the fucking guy's name. He's running for Senate or something. Greg Stilson. Greg Stilson. And Greg Stilson is what we're going to find is when Martin Sheen... Like, in the book, uh, Johnny just like, shaking all these people's hands. He loves shaking politicians' hands. And he, in, at one point, he shakes Jamie Carter's hands, and he realized how nice he is. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to be president. And, you know, it's a really nice moment. But then he shakes this fucking guy's hand, who's going for just, like, regular Senate. And basically, he's batshit insane, appealing to, like, the lower middle class. And I hate to say lower as if there's, like, some kind of, like, moral situation to it. But basically, appealing to a certain class of people and trying to rile them up. And he's doing fucking, like, push-ups and shit. (laughs) And being crazy, wearing, like like, workman's clothes, and 
when in the book, when he shakes the dude's hand, he sees a future where this crazy son of a bitch somehow falls his way into a position where he can start World War Three. And that's just basically it. It's like accidentally even. Yeah. Like not on purpose. He's just a crazy son of a bitch and it causes World War Three. And Martin Sheen, I mean, I guess you can kind of tell it's Martin Sheen. Yeah. Because he he's looks, like an he amazing... Looks like Charlie Sheen. Well, no, what I mean is like I know what Martin Sheen is, but like what I mean is like you can really see like the caliber of actor that oh, Martin Sheen yeah. is, that he just like inhabits this role... Of this crazy son of a bitch that just might accidentally cause World War Three. Yeah. I was just saying, it's just weird seeing him this young. Yeah. Where he looks like Charlie Sheen ten years ago. Oh, my know? God, yeah. But he probably is the age of Charlie Sheen now. Yeah. Like, I mean, but that would be interesting to do, the, the Wilford Brimley Nine for both Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen and see what either of them look like at 50. Oh. But the, the fact of the matter is Martin Sheen is an amazing actor and he seems like he might destroy the world accidentally by being batshit insane. And I could really believe it. Um, and we're about to find out in the movie that this is what's going on. But I've got to say, like, that is the most representative creepy dude that I've ever seen. Because it's like he's friendly and nice, but you know there's something wrong. You know, it's great. Okay, should we go? Yeah. Johnny's got a gun. He does. And he wants to kill someone. <laughs> well, he wants to kill Martin Sheen. Yeah. Because he saw the future when he shook Martin Sheen's hand shake. Yeah, and Martin Sheen's going to, like, destroy the world, basically. Martin Sheen's going to destroy... He's going to become the president and destroy the world. Now, in the book, it kind of... He destroys the world in less of an on-purpose kind of way. But Martin Sheen does play it batshit insane. Yep. Where he has dreams, and that's why he's got to do it. And everyone's trying to tell the president after the fact that, like, there's a diplomatic there's a diplomatic thing we could do, blah, 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 blah. He's like, I've already blown the fuckers up. <laughs> so he basically tells someone that he's going to kill them unless they, like, actually press the button. Yeah. But my thing is just, like, really, you would, like, you're so scared of your life that you'd rather start World War Three than because you're scared of Martin Sheen. And now Martin Sheen's pretty scary. Yeah. But it's really interesting that he plays the president here before the West Wing. I don't know what that is. You don't know what the West Wing is? Where Martin well, Sheen is the president? Oh. No, I never, I never watched that. I didn't either, honestly. Hey, Mom, I'm sorry. Mom, I'm sorry about this. I don't think my mom listens to this podcast. I've used a lot of F-bombs. <laughs> we should get, yeah, though, like you know what we should do? Are- Politics are such garbage. Why would you want to, like, use your entertainment to be politics? Exactly. But you know what we should do? Huh. We should get one of them there things where they pay you money to do the podcast. <laughs> What's it called again? Uh, a sponsorship? You do... or... No, tell them, Steve Dave, that you pay money for every week, every pa- month. Patreon? Patreon. Yeah, we need to build a bigger audience. We could get that. a bigger audience. Hey, audience, do you think we should get a Patreon? Get bigger. Here's the thing. Here's what we we do for the for the five dollar donors. <laughs> I would send you a tweet. No, I don't oh, go on Twitter. That's a no, lie. Please. I would send you a message, and say thanks. Or maybe we can even say thanks on the podcast and name you by name. For our ten dollar a month donor donors, <laughs> that's hundred twenty dollars a year. So for that very little amount, we will send you 
something from our wedding. We've got stuff from our wedding here. We'll send you that shit. Very sentimental. And then for for our $25 donors, they're going to be on the podcast with us. I know. I think you have to rethink this entire idea and structure. I don't think that... Here's the problem. Here's my issue. Is that neither of us feel very comfortable with people paying us money for this. Yeah, but... But if they did pay us money for this, we can buy new microphones and actually take a class on how to edit shit. Yeah, but... The tier system. If we, get, if we get a $50 donor tier, I will quit all my other adjuncting jobs and just do Michigan Tech, Aflac, and this. Okay. $50 a month. That means that I quit it. Guess what, everybody? I'm quitting it anyway. Woohoo! Okay. Okay. Should we keep going? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Hey, John. Hi. Oh, it's so good. It is? Martin Sheen. Okay, so this movie was already good. You know, you had Christopher Walken as, like, the main guy. It's, I mean, I did not like the very beginning because he was a creepy rapist murderer. But Christopher Walken was great once he became Johnny after the accident, right? Yeah, he was likable. But... Yeah, but then Martin... And, and he stops a murderer. It's the yeah. whole thing. But that's a little bit much so he becomes a teacher. He always wanted to be a teacher, right? Yeah. And then Martin fucking Sheen shows up. Boy, howdy, Martin Sheen's amazing. Yes, he is. And he's so believable as someone that would start World War III. Just because he's batshit insane. He did so well. And so the goal of... The goal here of, like, that he has, right? In, In the book... You can really tell that Johnny goes batshit insane himself because he's all alone and he's just as crazy. He's a crazy man. It's yeah. a crazy man that's crazy. Um, and that's kind of sad or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, like, but in the book, like, he realizes what he has to do. In the movie, it kind of shows him very, like, calmly deciding, like, if you have the opportunity, you look at this moral question, if you know someone's going to become Hitler, what do you do? You kill him. Yeah. And he goes to the professor, doctor, whatever that he knows and trusts and talks to him about it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so then he decides he's going to go kill this guy. And in the book, he has to, like, find him. But he happens, like, he wins the Senate bid. But he comes every weekend to these, like, town hall meetings in every town across the state. So he finds out where Doodad's going to be, shows up, and, you know, hunkers down waiting for him. In the movie, they kind of make it more in- intense because his ex-girlfriend and her child and husband are there. Um, and the child that Martin Sheen uses to protect himself, because this happens in the book too. Basically, Christopher Walken, or Johnny, Johnny starts shooting, doesn't hit him because he's fucking an English teacher. He doesn't yeah. know how to shoot. But anyway, he hit, doesn't hit him. And immediately, Martin Sheen's character grabs the baby. Which happens in the movie to be, because, you know, there's only so many babies you can have in a movie, yeah. happens to be the baby of, like, the lady, whatever, his ex-girlfriend. Um, and he grabs this baby and holds the baby up as protection. Yep. As a shield. 
against the guns or whatever. And there's a photographer the whole time. Now, all this time, Martin Sheen has had a hired gun that's a bad boy. And that's actually okay with him doing the murders. Right? Yeah. He was okay with the murders all along and okay with the genocide later. Like, he's clearly a bad boy. But apparently, hired gun guy is not okay with his main guy using a child as a human shield. No, that's pretty low. You don't get respect for that from anybody. I mean, I feel like for a lot of people, it's really interesting. Like, if the, the amount of people that would be okay with genocide where it would, like, blow up a bunch of people that you haven't seen before, that would include babies. Like, that guy's okay with that. But to actually be forced to see it in person. Yeah. A man using an infant as a human shield. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty low. It's pretty low. But anyway, so he get he's done. You know, he goes up because Martin Sheen goes up to Christopher Walken. And he's like, why? Why? And he's like, holds his hand. And he's like, ha ha. And he just like kind of sees the future where Martin Sheen kills himself. Because on the cover of Newsweek is the picture of him holding the fucking baby in front of him for a shield. Yeah. It's so good. And yeah. then... You know, he gets to hug his ex-girlfriend and dies. No. So he gets to say goodbye to her. In the TV show version of... This is what exactly what happens, except for the girlfriend not being a part of it. He dies alone or whatever, but happy that he saves the world and realizes that's why he got to live a little longer kind of thing. But in the TV version, he doesn't die. They find oh. a way to thwart this guy's schemes. There's a cat trying to get in, but we'll deal with it in a second. It's a cat trying to get out. Do you want to just open the door real quick while I talk? Because, yeah. like, you're going to listen from across the room, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Yes. Enunciate. Yes. I okay. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> in the in the TV show, there actually is a line in which, like, so you got to see him for a second, the... um. The personal trainer, we saw him for, like, two seconds where he's telling him to, like, you know, you only did eight steps, keep walking. And he's like, I did ten. He's like, no, you yeah. didn't. Well, in the TV show, he becomes friends with this person. And then, the, and then after that first investigation, it becomes a cop drama where he uses his psychic abilities to kind of help oh. with that kind of stuff. At the same time, he meets that guy... And in the psychic, in the in the TV show version, because it's not a series, it's not like a serial. It's like a, a legit, excuse me, a legitimate T, a legitimate TV series. I think it's the first thing that Michael Anthony Hall did after he was like, you know, the the sixteen candles bullshit, where he's a rapist and you stuff. Mean, you mean Anthony Michael Hall? Anthony Michael Hall. What did I say? I don't know the other guy that you called him last time. Okay, Anthony Michael Hall, but. Looking pretty good. Um, but he's like... It's the same... But I think they kind of are closer to the original story in the beginning. In the TV show. But then it, what they do is they basically make it that he has a friend that stops him from going insane and trying to kill people. <laughs> and he actually tells the guy at some point, like... If I didn't have you in my life, I would have, like, tried to kill this guy and just been murdered. So that's the dead zone. What do you rank it? Huh. Out of eight corn cob TVs. Uh, from one to eight? On corn cob TV. I don't know. I don't know what eight has to do with it, but I guess if it's not a one to eight, I guess I'd give it a five. You'd give it five corn cobs out of eight? Sure. How would you rank it amongst the movies you've seen in your life? <laughs> 
Your whole life. I don't know. Top 500. Top 500. Where does... What that fucking one I hate? What's the one I hate? Don't look now. Where does that lie? Uh, I don't know. The bottom however many. I don't okay. Know. So it's not in the same ranking system, yes? Like, it's not... It's a good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's interesting and it's fun. Yeah, it's all right. I think it's fun. Unlike you. So, I had a great time. I really liked it. I was really creeped out by the haircut and the glasses dude version of of, of Doodad. What's his Christopher Walken. I don't understand how people can go with not needing glasses, but... My Nana used to wear those same exact glasses back in the day. My grandfather did too. And then both of them had got to a certain age and they're like, I don't fucking need glasses anymore. For the last 30 years, Nana has not worn glasses. I think she was supposed to be wearing glasses this whole time. Probably. But she just decided not to wear them anymore. And you know what? More power to her. Should we continue this to the next stage? First of all, Gross's Corner. Haven't had it in a while. Was there a grossest corner? There was nothing gross about it. I don't know. Like, I feel like having sex with your baby that from another man and the, like right there sleeping next to you. What? With your ex-boyfriend. Oh. It's when he fucks his ex-girlfriend, yeah, but she's he, fucking she her ex-boyfriend. Right yeah, her baby was in the next room. Oh, next room. That's not... If you cheated on me and our babies were in the next room, if my our kids were here and you brought in a... It would make it so much worse that they were sleeping. It's terrible. Okay. So, that was my grossest corner. Okay. Bruise Bruise is also mine. Yeah. Clearly. And it was very delicious. Alamos. 100 years of family winemaking. You have to tweet these people because okay. they might send us wine. <laughs> I love their wine. Celestion Vintage 2016 Malbec Mendoza Argentina Mendoza makes the best wine because my favorite wine is Malbec because it's the one wine that does not give me migraines if I get it from Mendoza and almost usually has like a cheaper version like a $10 my husband got me a fancy wine now sometimes David my brother goes to Argentina for work and he brings me back fancy wines too and because all the men in my life know that what's the most important thing? Wine. Wine. I'm starting to worry about how much I need wine. Just as a plug, I think you should leave. Maybe you can put a link to it in your in yeah, your social media post. You're referring posts. to the TV show, not telling me that I should leave. No, you should stay here in bed with me. Okay. Because we're going to watch some things. So, we've had a lot of very serious things, John. I have something... I have something I want to show you. Okay. And I used to really enjoy Saturday Night Live back in the day. And I have something for you. Ed Glosser, Trivial Psychic. It is in season 18 of Saturday Night Live. The same year that this movie came out, where Christopher Rocken came in. The other one was season 26. It's season 18 that's in 1983. We're going to watch their version of a spin on this here movie we just saw. Are you ready? Are you excited? Are you enthralled? It's five minutes. I'm sure I've seen it before. Okay, calm down. Again, the outfits in this time period are great. Okay. Office lady. Are you all right? 
And then Christopher Walken losing it when he holds her hand. You have a daughter. Oh. Yes. You have a daughter. She's at home with the housekeeper. Yes. Oh no. The housekeeper's just waxed the kitchen floor. Oh no. Yes. Your daughter's running on the wet kitchen floor. Oh no. She's leaving footprints. Yeah. The housekeeper's annoyed. She has to do that part of the floor over. Really? It's not too late. You can call her and save her. Well, um, I have some work to do, but I'll call her later. Okay. Uh, it's not the same year. It's hey, a, it's close from ninety-two. Anyway. This is ten years later. Yes. I don't know. I'd say because eighty-two and eighty-three was not this cast. This was ten Ed years. Lasser, he was fifty then. Yeah. How old is he now? Seventy-four. Oh my God! Experiences a slight malfunction. Here we go. Forfeiting a darker base, he instead gains the mildly impressive oh, ability to foretell insignificant events of the immediate future. <laughs> he's seventy-eight. This is his now? story. Yeah. Wow. He's... Okay. Hey, Ed. Cute. I want you to meet Bob. He just joined us over in the county. Nice to meet you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> when they hold, shake their hands, and he, the face on Christopher Walken. Tomorrow, on the way to work, you're gonna buy a cup of coffee. Yeah? Then, you're gonna hail a cab. Uh-huh. Does the cab crash? No. But... You're gonna leave the coffee in the cab. Okay. He's holding his hands so tight. I'll just have to get another cup when I get here. Look! You don't get it, do you? You're wasting coffee! <laughs> What's the big deal? It's just a cup of coffee. Awful, Hartman. Look, we got a whole pot of it over there. Oh, no, he did it again. Oh, John. At lunch, you're going to treat yourself to a vanilla ice cream. Ooh, yummy. You're going to eat it too fast. You're going to get an ice cream headache. Oh, no. It's gonna hurt real bad. Oh no, I guess this is the 90s because I like remember this a lot more. Yeah, Rob Schneider. Yeah. Deuce Bigelow? Yes. Male Bigelow? And I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But you're giving everybody the creeps. <laughs> I didn't ask for these powers, they just came to me. Yeah, yeah, well. I see a large stack of papers on your desk. And I see you finishing them all before five o'clock. <laughs> hey, uh, nice to meet you. Right. <laughs> hey, psychic man, what do you see hey. happening in the World Series, Toronto or Atlanta? <sighs> I can't believe you're asking me to use it, my power in that way. Toronto or Atlanta, it's Atlanta. <laughs> you're reading a bag of pistachios. <laughs> You'll find that one is very difficult to open. <laughs> yeah? You'll not be able to open it with your fingers. You'll have to use your teeth. It's gonna taste very bad. So just the one nut? Yes. Okay, well, thanks for that tip. I'm gonna go call my bookie now. <laughs> Aww. Little buddy, he doesn't want this job. Hey, it's Chris Rock. Yeah. Holy shit. 
You have a car. Yeah. Could you give me a lift home? <laughs> Nobody around here likes me. Sure, why not? There's gonna be traffic. Oh no, Tommy! Okay, so this was a Glosser Trivial Psychic 10 years later. That was 10 years later. Yep, it was. It was still in the ethos in the 90s! Okay. Do you get it, John? Yeah. I used to watch this stuff all the time. Okay, so we had Brewers Brewers, we had Gross's Corner. Only for me, the only Brewer Gross in the family. Gross Brewer. Okay, so the next movie is... Wait, first of all, if um, NBC wants to get to us or anybody else wants to talk to us, how would they contact us to sue us or to, to contact us? On um, the socials at up to an ID with the number two. And if they want to send an email, so for like an official cease and desist. Uh, up to an including death at gmail.com. That's with the up to an including death, the whole thing spelled out. Yep. And then um, if they wanted to look at our website and see a picture from our wedding. Up to an including death.com. Okay, good. So let us look at this. So we are at a fun stage in our, like, in our viewing pleasure, right? And so, in which we are going to do a Shutter Essential. Yes. So now you got to pick one of the Shutter Essentials. Yeah. Okay. So, and there's been an update. So, want to go through it? You want to read them? Yeah. We have Children of the Corn. But 1984. Okay. Yeah. I just read that one. Uh, Nosferatu, the 1979 version. Okay. Interesting. We got Phantasm, also from 79. Ooh, spooky. Ms. 45. A mute seamstress, seamstress goes on a killing spree after being assaulted. Okay. We got, I don't know how to pronounce that. DIY. In 19th it's century Russia, a seminary student is forced to spend three nights with the corpse of a beautiful young witch. That's from 1967. We got Horror Express. Horror icons Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee race to stop a prehistoric vampire. Carnival of Souls. Woman begins seeing mysterious ghostly figures following her after a car crash. Messiah of Evil. A young woman heads to a mysterious seaside town in search of her faja in one of the great cult gems of the 70s. So I kind of like that one. We talked about that one before. Yeah. Little girl who lives down the lane. What dark secrets does 13-year-old Ren Jacobs hold? Jodie Foster stars. Okay. We might have to kill the president. Yeah, how's We don't actually want to kill the president. That was a reference to Taxi Driver, or not Taxi Driver, but to, like, the lady that tried to kill, what was it, Reagan that she, or Ford or something, because he was in love with Jodie Foster? Anyway. House on Haunted Hill, we've, we've looked at that one before. I don't think that one's going to. City of the Dead. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, we've seen. Frankenhooker. An amateur scientist uses the bodies of dead hookers. To revive his dead girlfriend, probably I do, not. I do remember that one. The Stepfaja. After murdering his entire family, a man marries a widow with a teenage daughter in another town and prepares to do it all over again in this classic thriller. Okay. At the Day of the Beast. A rogue, a rogue priest goes on a twisted spree to prevent the apocalypse in this horror comedy essential. Okay. A white zombie from 32. Belma Lugosi. Holy shit. Okay. The Cabernet of Dr. Caligari. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Wow. Cabaret, perhaps, too. Okay. It's a silent film. (laughs) 
Nosferatu, the yeah. legit one. Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker. Billy's about to graduate, but Aunt Cheryl wants them all to herself in this twisted cult gym. So there's some, like, gross stuff happening there. Black Sunday, about a vengeful witch. The Ring. Yeah, the Japanese version from... Nice. Day of the Dead. Oh, this is the 1985. Okay, that's a really good one. Did we watch that with Steve? What did we watch with Steve? No, we watched... Night of the Living Living Dead? No, we watched... Return of the Living Dead. Yes, Return. Hellraiser. It's a great one. Satan's Slave, we talked about. In Ginger Snaps. Yep. Halloween, we've watched. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and we've also watched The Beyond. So let's go back to the top of the order. What do you think, John? What you thinking? What do I think? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough choice. We've got some new stuff in here. We've got some of the same old stuff. I would probably... Either Phantasm or... um, Oh, what was the other one? Or the uh, Japanese ring. Okay, so here's my thinking. The Children of the Corn is Stephen King, so we're going to watch that eventually. Yep. Let's watch The Ring. That sounds great. Let's watch the preview for it right now. Uh, Is it going to show it to us? No. Okay. Well, everyone see the fucking ring. It's a little girl. You watch the VHS tape, and then you get murdered. So, like, we're going to watch this thing. came out in 1998. It's in Japanese. Yeah, this is the original Japanese one, I think. We're going to watch it with subtitles, because we don't do that nonsense. If we wanted it dubbed, we would watch the American version. But there should be a creepy little girl involved. It's going to be great. Yeah. And a little person crawling from the TV, walking backwards like a crab. You know what's really creepy? Hmm. Is that our kids have friends that can do that in real life, like crawl backwards like a crab and fold their bodies in half backwards. And they do it because they know we find, I I personally find it terrifying. Yep. And we got little crab kids in this house. But okay, so next week we're going to be watching The Ring, the 1998 Japanese version. If you would like to watch it with us, you're going to be watching it on Shudder. Yes. Or it's it's available other places as well, but Shutter is uh, it's one of the essentials on there. I don't understand how this episode is so long. <sighs> I understand. He just looked at me for a very long time. Why do? Well, could you explain it? No, we just talked a lot. Okay, because I love you. That's why you talked a lot. I don't know. Okay. I feel like I talk ninety percent of the time. Yep. You know, I listen to. This is why we drink, which is why I wanted wine so much. Wine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but and, and in it, they talk about editing out things. We're not going to do that in this episode. Okay. We're just going to submit it for listening pleasure, mostly of my sister-in-law, Chucky. Hey, Chucky. What's up, bud? And whoever else is watching. Maybe other people. No I think watching. I think my old friend Sarah is watching. Nobody's watching. They can't see it. Sarah, what's up, buddy? How you doing? How you doing? You know how you doing. Well, anyway, there's just two things left to do there, bud. I'll stay scared. And stay married. Goodbye. Hi there. Trish here. John and I are so glad you've decided to listen to this episode. To contact us, please email up to and including death at gmail.com or hit us up on our socials up to an ID at just about everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and that's up to and ID 
and that too is the number two. If you have a moment, it'd be great if you can review us on iTunes as long as it's five stars. <laughs> Thank you to Stefan Kartenberg for the use of his song Fire and Ice in the intro and outro in the middle of our program. Uh, Fire and Ice is a rock mix by Stephen, Stephen Kartenberg, copyright 2017, licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you. Goodbye.